Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. I don't know. I, I truly think it's about 
uh, it's against her own self-interest uh, to do so. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, they, the economy, many have been uh, led to believe by the, their sycophants in the so-called media to uh, making people believe that the economy isn't really, in like, especially inflation, isn't the Democrats, you know, or, or this current regime's fault. And so, unfortunately, they have a lot of folks. Now, one person uh, that isn't being fooled by this, and for uh, other reasons, uh, you have uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who recently left the uh, Democrat Party. Now, in all intents and purposes, I believe right now at least, uh, she is an independent. Uh, but recently, uh, you may have heard that uh, Tulsi has endorsed uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate in Arizona, uh, Carrie Lake. So she was out campaigning with her, I think, uh, perhaps just even as early as last night. Uh, so she endorsed Terry uh, Lake, uh, Tulsi Gabbard did. Uh, I didn't get to see, you know, her her, her speech or anything talking about Terry, uh, but, uh, you know, she has endorsed her. We'll, we'll maybe we'll get that audio clip for future shows. I don't know. It's, it's coming close. Now, uh, we did have Terry Lake on the show uh, a couple, couple episodes or so ago. Uh, so hopefully we'll have her on again, probably not before the election, uh, just for the very fact that, you know, with, of course, the first schedule and uh, on the night of the election, I will actually not be in town. So uh, unfortunately, we will not be having a show the day after the election because uh, I will actually be out of town. Uh, so I will not be, uh, be to talk about a good or ill. Uh, hopefully good. You know, hopefully we'll have a lot of good news to uh, do analysis and commentary on uh, when we, <clears throat> you know, talk the uh, day after the election. Of course, of yourself, you could join us the following week uh, and certainly mark your calendar uh, so you could call into the show if you're one of our regular listeners to, you know, talk. And a lot of folks just, you know, like to uh, listen. But, you know, if you want to uh, chime in, uh, you're certainly welcome to, to call us. And so that's uh, once Kelly is uh, ready, we'll have him, uh, you know, come on uh, to the show, uh, Kelly, because I know you will. Oh, there we go. Kelly is ready. So let's go ahead and welcome Kelly. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good, good. It's still warm in California. I've had to use my air conditioner a few years, a few uh, days ago. Yeah, I can't say that in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, buddy in North Dakota, and it's uh, oh, it's cold. I guess Minnesota got some snow, Upper Minnesota. So yeah, fall is upon us. Beautiful time of the year, of course. Um, yeah, yeah so Carrie Lake. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, especially on your East Coast. Oh my gosh, I took a trip way back in 2004, and uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, the East Coast. And you got to catch it right at the right time because it's just beautiful golden. Uh, golden brown and yellow, and, and, but it's gone only. It's only a few weeks window. So if you ever get a chance, Massachusetts, uh, upper states, uh, Vermont, etc. Beautiful time of the year uh, for a vacation. Anyway, all right. So I wanted to discuss some stats about the Arizona primary, which gives indications of the general election, which three weeks from yesterday. Tell your friends to vote. And 
So I looked at the official canvas from the Secretary of State's office. You can go online. You can look these numbers up. And uh, registration is very interesting in Arizona because there's uh, four main uh, affiliations, if you will. There's Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, and other. It just says other. California, we have the MPP, no party preference. It's the unparty party, <laughs> but no party preference and, and or declined states. Some states have that. So interesting numbers here uh, for the registration. Republicans, 1,440,250 people or 1.4 million. Democrat, uh, 1.3. Uh, libertarians, a big 32,000. Uh, other, other is 1.4 million. Uh, actually, it's behind. So 1,440,000 for Republicans, 1,409,000 of other. So obviously there's a huge independent swing there. Now, for the August uh, primary, August 2nd, you have to look at ballots cast to see how people were voting in uh, Arizona. And it turns out that the number of uh, Republican ballots cast were 37% more uh, than the Democrats. That's the overall number, 37% more. So if you're running for as a Republican in Arizona, you have a very good chance. If it's just you and a Republican, uh, you and a Democrat, it's a good chance. The Republicans are going to win. And so then we look at uh, – uh, let's go to the gubernatorial race. The number of people, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Republicans, three Democrats, and one Libertarian. And the ballots cast for the Republicans in their primary were 39, 39% more than the Democrats. So uh, – Carrie Lake has an incredible chance of winning in an honest election. And I saw a poll last week that basically said, oh, it's a close race, close race between Carrie Lake, the Republican, and Katie Hobbs, the Democrat. Oh, it's a close race, 49 uh, versus 45 with a four-point margin of error. Oh, really? Well, the primary says 39% more ballots are cast for Republicans. And the primary... So how can they make up this, oh, it's a close race. It's a close race. It's just a frustrating media, you know, and, of course, the media always tells the truth, don't they? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> it's just amusing. All right, so then we look at the Secretary of State because having to do with election integrity, there's three major positions plus when a legislature gets involved, as the Arizona legislature did get involved regarding the their concerns of the 2020 election. But your your major positions are the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general, and, of course, when the legislature steps in. And, of course, the courts can step in and or grand jury. So, um, so we have a candidate who's the media is calling him an election denier. He's an election denier. Uh, Mark Fincham, he's a state house representative. And in that primary, there were one, two, three, four Republicans and two Democrats, and the Republican ballots cast for 34% more for Republicans and Democrats. So Mark Fincham, there's a very high probability he's going to be 
the Secretary of State. So when you have, quote-unquote, two election deniers of the three major positions, as in Carrie Lake Governor and Mark Fincham as the Secretary of State, they could very well uh, tear apart their the Arizona election system. And it could be a frightening report. And so that would be a fascinating um, discovery. And it might take a, a year or a year and a half to really dig in deeply and find out the problems with the election. And at least there's going to be a lot more transparency. So we should get John Brakey back on the show because he's in Arizona. And he has been working with a Republican uh, state house legislator there to um, bring some positive changes to the Arizona election system. So I think that's really interesting. I, that's a state I've been watching, obviously. I'm also a board member of Watch the Vote USA. And you just look up the numbers, print them out, throw them into a spreadsheet. That's how I can get these these numbers. Uh, anybody can do this. So a third more voters for Republicans and Democrats is an easy thing to remember. Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham should one win those two key positions. So we shall see, because when you outnumber, suppose there are people that are already intending and planning on doing an election uh, steal, when a vast number of people turn out, it's very possible that you can still defeat the cheat just out of large numbers. Now, Tulsi Gabbard, by the way, going around Arizona campaigning for Carrie Lake, that's amazing. I could see, you know, if, if, if we assume what they said in the media is true, 49 to 45, Lake versus Hobbs, when you look at what Tulsi Gabbard would bring to the table, I could see easily uh, two percentage points. 2% of voters are going to switch from Democrats to Republicans nationwide. There was a recent, uh, I think it was Epoch Times, that uh, a million, a million, a million and a half voters have switched from Democrat to Republicans. And I was so, thinking it'd be more than that with the economy being what it is, but go ahead. Well, yeah, it might be more every day because people don't take care of their registration until, say, a month before the election, sometimes a week. Um, so anyway, it, it's uh, – but everybody gets a general ballot ballot anyway. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. You can cross over. Right. You want to you keep your allegiance to, as a Democrat to the Democrats because your family history, et cetera. You can still vote for a Republican. That's just the way the general elections work. So – um, but yeah, a million, million and a half—that's huge nationwide. But if if um, Tulsi Gabbard uh, is in Arizona, there could be two points, two percentage points taken from um, Democrats and given to the Republicans, which, by the way, makes a four-point spread. So if we say, okay, let's just accept for sake of discussion, let's accept the forty-nine, forty-five. Two points means four point difference. Okay, let me explain that a little better. So if you got a fifty fifty house and uh, one person crosses over, then it becomes forty nine fifty one. 
one person becomes two difference, all right? So if Tulsi helps with 2%, then we're talking four. So you, you go ahead and look at uh, that's a four-point spread. So uh, to add two to carry Lake, that puts her at 51. Subtract two from 45 is 43. So assuming an honest election, multiple multiple things here, um, I could I could see Carrie Carrie Lake become the governor of Arizona. That's just one state. I don't have time for all the states. California is pretty much going to be Newsom. Um, it, it just we just that's a given because we have vote by mail and it, it, it just sorry we just there's not much hope for states that have mail in ballot. That would be Colorado, Washington, Oregon, California, Pennsylvania is going that way now. It just seems, just so happens these states that may have been conservative or teeter-tottering back and forth between elections, ours versus D's, when you go vote by mail, it just some magic happens where you, the states pretty much get become strong Democrats. So we just have to watch the election state by state. Um, so your thoughts on that data, I just... Uh, I mean, board I people with. hearing, you know, about, you know, how many more voted in the primary, uh, you know, at least in Arizona, than, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats. I mean, that's, um, yeah, that's certainly encouraging. And, and and I don't, you know, if I believe a lot of the polls either. I think it, it may be a wider margin that the Republicans, you know, you know, could win. Yeah, and I think that they're, they're spending a, ton, a lot of time, I'm glad you brought it up, of course, they are spending a lot of time on the, you know, the House and the Senate, uh, but also to see how many, you know, states, you know, in the governor's, you know, the governor, uh, the governor races, you know, gubernatorial races, uh, you know, how many states can shift, you know, governor-wise at least over to, uh, to the Republicans. I think I wish, you know, there, there needs to be more emphasis, I think, on that. Uh, but it's just not going to get, you know, get the same play. But I think it's going to be, you know, really important, the House and Senate, of course. And I think the state, you know, the state houses as well, you know, and the governorships as well, you know, it's really going to be important to try to, you know, change some of this stuff around. Um, but it will certainly be uh, certainly be interesting thing. I want to see how many of the candidates endorsed by Trump uh, actually, you know, go ahead and win the uh, you know, win in the general election. I think it was Fox News that reported that 90% of the Trump-endorsed candidates won their primary election, 90 or 95%, pretty high, actually, uh, in the primary. So we'll have to see what happens uh, in the general. Right. Now, one thing that definitely the, the we can talk about Arizona, but that you know what you wrote out when it comes to the petition and the press release, you know that we're going to discuss here. I mean, you know, Arizona certainly is a template uh, for what people could do in other states. So, uh, because we can't, you know, tell us a little bit more about you know about that, uh, Kelly, uh, when it comes to the petition. Now, there's only three weeks. A lot of people, including maybe the candidates that people are trying to help. You might think well, it's, it's kind of late to try to get anything going with, uh, you know, a petition and grand jury and things of that nature. 
so tell us more about the, the petitions, you know, that could be used in Arizona and, uh, and other places, and then the you know, press release you're talking about. All right. Um, it'll be up on uh, Watch the Vote USA Facebook page, and I can give my email out if people want to do this specifically. It's uh, Kelly Z. Um, Z Zulu Kelly Z Mordecai M O R D E C A I at um, protonmail.com. Now, this idea of a petition to for redress of grievances is nothing new. It just happens to be in the First Amendment. And I'm encouraging candidates before the election to submit a petition to a grand jury either a federal grand jury or county grand juries because, um, well, the grand jury is independent if they know their full power. If something is awry, something just doesn't look right, they can subpoena, grab ballots, and start counting themselves. They can also do what's called statistically, it's called a risk-limited audit, where if you count, um, and it depends how close the race was, but you can do uh, 15 percent maybe maybe less and you can get um, a 90 to 95 percent confidence level based on statistics um, risk limited audit does on the internet you can research that it's just pure math but why would a person do that well um, <clears throat> it's to alert the grand jury again we have the right to petition for redress of grievance that's in the first amendment but regarding the grand jury's power the grand jury is completely independent the United States Attorney Manual reads, the prosecutor must recognize that the grand jury is an independent body. U.S. versus Williams states that it's not a part of the executive branch or the legislative or the judicial branch. It's a constitutional fixture unto itself. It existed before our Constitution, the grand jury going way back to England. But one of the things that the grand jury can do, and uh, this is 1950 case, U.S. versus Martin Salt, says the grand jury can investigate merely on suspicion that the law is being violated or even just because it wants assurance that it is not. So Carrie Lake or other candidates can file a petition. Now, power may not necessarily be if the grand jury opens up an investigation before or after the election, but the power is in doing this before the election to assure the voters of an honest election. But the, the biggest power is in a press release. If a candidate did this in their um, running for county supervisor, commissioner, or state legislature, whatever position they want to run for, if they submit this, they can do a press release. And one of the things it would do it was attract a lot of voters. I heard a poll today that other Republicans, uh, I, I believe it's 62%, um, do not have the assurance of an honest election on November 8th. And that's a very high number, a very concerning number. Okay, well, submit a petition. But when a candidate does this, um, what they are showing is I'm a candidate of action. I want to get things done. I want to seek the truth. And I want to seek the government entity that can help um, bring forth the truth in an election. So that's one thing. It attracts voters by showing action by a candidate. Number two, 
if there are cheaters already planning to do the cheating thing. If, if you watch 2,000 Mules, that's point blank frightening. And so if the cheaters see the press release, they might think twice, maybe three times before doing this. Because if you have a good prosecutor, a good grand jury, everything, the prosecutor can prosecute for multiple counts of election fraud, like um, stuffing ballots at ballot drop boxes. Um, each, each ballot ha- can carry uh, an offense, say, maybe of, let's just pick a number here, six months. All right. But if somebody just grabs 30 ballots, fraudulent ballots, stuffs them into a ballot drop box, that's 15 years in jail. Because they would be not simultaneous sentence. They would be subsequent, one after the other, after the other, after the other. So I would not want to even risk the idea of ballot stuffing through the ballot drop boxes. And so, and again, the grand jury knows its full power. They can just go right to the uh, county election office with the subpoena and say, hey, we're going to do a recount. Um, so, yeah, there's some tools that we have, again, First Amendment right to petition. And in its origin, the right of petition is to a grand jury because the uh, Adderley versus Florida, the SCOTUS, traces back the right to petition to Magna Carta, Clause 61, which was the grand jury of the Magna Carta. Um, Bureau of Duryea versus Garneria is another case that affirmed the right of petition goes back to Magna Carta. And in the Magna Carta days, when they created the Magna Carta, there was only two branches of government. There was the king and the baron group of 25, which held the king to account to the charter. The charter was, from Magna Carta, the charter was now above the king. The law was above the king. And then the mechanism to hold an account. And the elected parliament did not exist until 100 years later, or even begin to exist until, see, Magna Carta was 1215, so in the 1300s, parliament began to emerge as an elected parliament by the people. So you can say, yes, the right to petition a grand jury for redress of grievance is very valid. It is not some food. No, it, it's real. People, um, yeah. So that I just wanted to introduce that to any of your potential candidates are listening. Um, of course, we'd be glad to try this again next year or next election season, but it's not too late. Press release. In fact, it might be the perfect timing because if those who've already cheated, wanted to cheat, if they're already busy doing it, well, they just walked into a trap. The trap being awoken by the grand jury getting busy. So, uh, kind of wish Paul Nelly would come on and give us some more. Uh, he traced a election in Chatham County, Georgia, since 1790s. The cheaters were already at work cheating. The grand jury found something there, and there was a couple state house representatives that had to get removed, and a United States congressman and a judge. The grand jury found out, issued a presentment to uh, the state house of Georgia, and uh, Congress, and things changed because the grand jury 
uh, said we we don't like this cheating, and here's our report on it. So that's just another tool we can use to have an honest election. So back to you. Now, do you think that there's a, a big chance that this election could possibly be stolen like it was in 2020, um, you know, back to 2020? Now, I mean, it has to be, I think it personally has to be maybe even more massive than 2020. We're, we're talking about numerous candidates instead of just, you know, one election with, you know, Trump and, uh, and Biden. Well, cheaters cheat, and they figured out. I mean, you know, I'm a libertarian, okay, and I sometimes have wondered: the person that wins, R or D, is, is it in in some situation? Is it the person that cheats the best that wins? I, I mean, I'm, in uh, DeKalb County, Georgia, I was at Decatur. I get the two confused, but uh, in the May primary, this uh, a Democrat. And I believe it was city. It was it was uh, county commissioner race. They're like, hey, something doesn't look right. Um, there was no votes from my precinct, and I'm running for office. And my wife and I both voted for me. And so they started looking into it, and they found out that the third place candidate was actually the second place candidate. The Democrats. Uh, tried to protect their own, but they also exposed, hey, there's there's some cheating going on here. And that was a Dominion problem. Um, there's a Tennessee report about Dominion that in Georgia, around 90% have a software glitch, which is a concern of vulnerability. And yet, you know, just like California, well, let's just keep using them, you know. And so, yeah, there's always a potential. I mean, 17... Was this, I wish Paul Nelly could tell me. 1791 or 1793, you know, 1792, early 1790s, people were cheating back then. And probably before, but, you know, so we've had over 200 years of proof that people cheat elections. If you ever watch the Athens Revolt, very good movie, by the way. Athens, Tennessee. Um. I first watched it years ago, just, oh, that looks interesting, you know, local uh, video store, you can rent one, and I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. But it's a true story that veterans came after the came home from the war, and the, um, a couple of years they got fed up with all the corruption that had, had taken place, and so a bunch of veterans ran for office. Well, the sheriff didn't like that idea, and so... Um, they, the sheriff grabbed the ballot box. Pull, he closed the polls early. He did some voter intimidation techniques, closed the polls early, grabbed the ballots, and then he took the ballot box. Of course, it was the old-fashioned way, you know, by hand, put it, slip it in the ballot box. It was 1948, 1948. Anyway, so the sheriff – does all this, and him and his deputies are going to go ahead and count the ballots in the, sh- the sheriff's office. Well, these veterans went to the armory. They grabbed the guns, 
bunch of them, of course. And they surrounded the sheriff's office and basically said, you, you're going to come out with those ballots or it's going to get ugly. Well, shots were fired and uh, some munitions expert blew the door of the sheriff's department off. And then the sheriff came out. They got the ballots. And sure, sure enough, all the veterans won by a landslide. And then they had a new sheriff, a district attorney, a number of positions. And uh, uh, what's kind of – although the sheriff called the National Guard, they never came. And not one uh, veteran in the Athens Revolt was charged for any crimes whatsoever. And what's kind of cute is they had the guns cleaned and by sunrise had all the guns back in the armory. So true true story, based on a true story, uh the Athens Revolt. Um cheaters cheat, that's just you know. If your ideas are so wonderful and so good, well just bring them out in the open and let the American people decide. The American people overall they don't like socialism. And so the socialists they'll cheat. You know, Republicans have been known to cheat. Um I don't have time to go into Abraham Lincoln, but you know, the propensity to cheat. But the socialists, for some reason, maybe, oh, that's right, Saul Alinsky, rules for radicals. The ends justify the means. And so people in their absolute desperation to put in socialism will cheat because the ends justify the means. You know, we just got to try socialism. It's never really been fully tried. Uh, yeah, it was tried in uh, Stalin, Lenin, and then Stalin. Only lasted 69 years, and then that was the end of it. So, it, you know, it's failed. It's failed miserably. So anyway, um, but they just, they just, they want to cheat. You know, look what they did to Bernie Sanders in 2016. I was involved with a bunch of burners um, on the voter registration problems. And uh, um, Paul, 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 I'm trying to remember Paul's name. He was in Massachusetts. And he ran uh, election justice, and he they documented how uh, a number of states they flipped people electronically from the registration in closed states. Closed states only if you're a Democrat can you vote in the Democrat primary. Well, I remember Paul Thomas, um, Massachusetts, Illinois, Arizona, several other states that did an online survey. The same results as we found in our. Um, survey on Watch the Vote USA. The people were getting flipped into other parties. People were that were vote by mail got flipped to vote at the precinct. People that showed up at the precinct that they had for decades got flipped to vote by mail. Um, I personally knew somebody that got flipped to another political party. They were very upset. And essentially, uh, Bernie Sanders got cheated out of, of California and possibly other states. Bernie Sanders should have been the – should have won the primary in 2016. In my opinion, I think he would have won the presidency versus Trump. It's not well, I don't know. I don't well, like I'll have his... to disagree with you on that one, there, Kelly. <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's go there. I'll okay. disagree with that one. <laughs> Okay, well, I, you know what? I'm a libertarian. I don't like socialism. Uh, Bernie is a big-time 
you know, socialist, all that. Um, they just couldn't, they, it was Hillary Clinton that had coronated as the uh, primary winner. But see, what, oh, in, yeah, in the 2016 election. Some... Yeah, they, oh, yeah, they, they, they played games. To, uh, yeah, they certainly moved things to, you know, to get, uh, to get Hillary the nomination. Yeah, Alex Padilla did a legal trick, too writing the poll workers that you can't help people with these crossover ballots. And so a lot of people wanted to vote for Bernie in California, but they could not. Um, in Humboldt County, where they have the election transparency project, Bernie creamed Hillary by 30 points. 30 points. We're talking like uh, 63 to 33 or something like that, where they have they have an honest election because they have a, a automatic – it's it's – private citizens to do a recount. That's a long story, but 33 points. That was the highest of any county in California. Um, where they couldn't cheat, Hillary got absolutely creamed. So I worked with um, a, a number of Democrats, and we had weekly conference calls. They were very, very frustrated, and some of them left the Democrat Party. And so, um, but why would Bernie Sanders have won the election in 2016? Or at least my opinion is this. And again, I'm trying to be objective here. Well, it's real simple. People voted for Trump because they hated Hillary Clinton. People voted for Hillary Clinton because they hated Trump. It's a hate vote. We should never have a country <laughs> like this, but that's what we had. It's a hate vote. Now, Bernie is the kind of guy – people, they just don't hate him. Bernie Sanders, his personal life, I, he really cares about people, okay? I'm not a fan of his policies per se, but he, he generally cares about people, and it's he's not a hate vote. Put up Bernie against Trump. A lot of people would have voted for Bernie because people didn't hate Bernie. You got the people that would hate Trump, they'd vote for Bernie, but you, people just generally don't hate Bernie, um, and then they'd vote for Trump. They, that, it's, it's not a hate vote. That's why, at least in my opinion… Bernie would have been uh, would have would have beaten Trump. And some of my conservative friends don't like that, but look, Bernie's not a hate vote. He's not a hate vote. Yeah. Well, and that being said, I mean, I, I still I still don't because the people are tired of Obama's policies. And, you know, I mean, I think I, I'm not saying that you know there weren't people who voted because they hated Hillary Clinton, and there weren't people who voted because they didn't uh, you know because they hated Trump. No, I'm sure that exists. I'm sure I'm sure that existed with a lot of people, um, but I don't know. If, I, I still don't think Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders. I mean, he's known as a socialist, and as you said, most of America does not like socialists. And they, I mean, if there was any candidate that was uh, more of a threat to us taking a socialist route, if someone was a president, that would have been Bernie Sanders. Well, here's another reason why Bernie could have won is. So you got you know you got your committed Democrats okay so Bernie would have got that without a question. Um, a lot of independents that liked Ron Paul also liked Bernie Sanders, and they were uh, the, the youth. I mean we're talking eighteen to maybe thirty five. They were very passionate about Bernie Sanders. So he would have had the youth vote in that election. Um, and so that that was a big thing. Now if we go for the non hate vote now if if Let's say in, in 2024, you get the situation of uh, 
Governor Newsom's, I mean Governor Newsom from California. Okay, people are already going to, they're already priming him to be presidential candidate, try to run against Trump. But if Ron DeSantos from Florida, yeah. And so it's going to be another hate vote. Oh, gee, I hate socialism and and what um, Newsom's, I'm sorry, Newsom did to California and the COVID lockdowns and the tyrannical hypocrisy, all sorts of blah, blah, blah. There's going to be some hate vote there with Newsom. And there's already we already know about the hate of Trump that the other side has. But if Ron DeSantos runs, Governor of Florida, if he runs, and he's not a hate vote. Of course, there's some that will always hate anybody, but he's not a hate vote to the degree that the media has has caused people to hate Trump, plus the Hispanic vote. So that's you know 2024 is going to be very interesting. Um. If DeSantis wins a primary, he's a high probability that uh, DeSantis will be the president-elect in 2024. Well, and as we said, I think we, we touched on it briefly last week, um, is that you know, I, I still think Trump's probably going to get the, the nomination. I know the liberals are trying everything. I mean, the, the politicians, you know, New York lawyers, now they got some – you know, lady out there trying to say, you know, charged Trump with some type of rape. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous. They're trying to, what they're trying to do is Kavanaugh them, is what they're trying to do. You know, but this lady supposedly coming out saying, oh, Trump raped me. It's like, you know what, whatever, you know. So Trump doesn't have to rape anybody. So, you know, they, they are, they're just trying everything to try to get rid of Trump. That's one of the reasons why I hope he does run again, and I would love to see Trump win. Because it'd be great to see all those people who were went so out of their way, you know, with all their lies, you know, and obfuscations to go after Trump and then him come back and win the presidency. I would love, I mean, that would be such poetic justice against all these people and, you know, against their lies. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I think, you know, Trump would do well again as president as he did, you know, you know, 16 to 20. But I would just love to see him come back and be president, you know, kind of stick it to all these damn people who were going all out of their way to try to make sure he can't run. I mean, DeSantis DeSantis is going to – I I truly believe DeSantis one day will be president. I really do. Well, I mean, people are going to look back. Whether it's 2024 – 2028 or 2032, for that matter. Um, I think one day, you know, DeSantis will probably be president. Because I mean, if, you know, he'll, he'll be governor until then. I think of Florida, um, you know. But you know, and he's still he's still young, so there's plenty of time for him to be president. But I do think DeSantis one day, uh, you know, will be the president of the United States. You know, especially you know when people start realizing, you know, the difference between you know how Florida handled things. You know, and how other states did, okay, and when that people see that nationally. I mean, DeSantis is going to have his day, or year rather. I just don't think that year is going to be 2024. And frankly, I hope it's not. I want him to be. Now, frankly, I would love to see him be the VP. I'd like to see DeSantis be the VP. Trump maybe do one year, you know, and then DeSantis, you know, run for president after that. That's why I said maybe in, you know, 2028. You know, he runs for president and, you know, wins election there. And then, I mean, 
and then you know you know he could probably win a couple you know, a couple turns there, but um, but I mean, instead with Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, depending on how well she's you know she does moving forward, I mean, who's not to say that in 2028, you know, she doesn't end up being you know his running mate, or who knows? There's other candidates out there, but you know. So we'll, right. we'll, well, you know, we'll see. But I mean, I love to see it take, people take it to them. Well, the uh, a Trump DeSantis uh, could very well win, but it depends upon who they they pull up for president with the with the Democrats. You know, it's looking like Gavin Newsom. But the uh, well, but I don't. Well, do you really think Gavin? I mean, you really think that the country as a whole, you know, would, would vote for Newsom? Really? If we have an honest election, I would say no. I mean, obviously, California, the West Coast, New York, et cetera, would go for Newsom. But um, but if, uh, you know, Operation Warp Speed, Warp Speed from Trump is can really hurt him. We talked about that last show. But um, so Trump, DeSantis, if they win, okay, then you'd have – he'd term out after four years. And then DeSantis, if he say he picks Tulsi Gabbard, he would win. Uh, so we'd have 12 years of Republicans um, in the primary. If I was a Republican, I, I would lean on, on voting for DeSantis over Trump. And here's why: DeSantis requested and got a statewide grand jury in Florida, and their purpose was to investigate uh, illegal immigrants and what's going on in that state. That is a key issue to voters. If DeSantis were to get in and he does um, a lot promoting the grand jury and or um, whatever it takes so that people can get petitions to grand juries, because the Justice Department seems to be in a habit of blocking petitions, First Amendment right to petition to a grand jury. But if, if DeSantis does something, we're going we're, we're gonna to see the swamp drain in new ways. So – the reason why I like DeSantis over Trump, again, I'm a libertarian, but is is because he understands the importance of the grand jury. And uh, so that's um, amazing. Um, what, will, what will the primary yield in 2024 if DeSantis runs? Um, it's just going to be interesting, but here we have three – in three weeks – Okay, today's Wednesday, obviously. It'll be the day after the election, the midterms. It's going to be real interesting. My neighbor invited me over to watch on election night for the results. And there are specific states I'm going to be looking for, specific races. Um, And then Biden might just be a lame duck president for two years. Um, held to account, and you have congressional inquiries and, and uh, congressional committees asking all sorts of very hard questions. Um, but without an executive in the hands of the Republicans, they can't do too much. They can stop the problems that Biden has created, but then that they call lame duck for a reason. So, um, but yeah, with gas, high gas prices. Illegal flooding the border. The Democrats, as Tulsi Gabbard pointed out, the Democrats being warmongers. I'm just not sure how the Democrats can hold the House and the Senate if we have an honest election. 
Well, and that brings, I mean, and that brings us to, uh, you know, you know, the, the press release and the petition. I mean, so you had the petition, then you had the press release. Um, I mean, how long would that process take? Uh, we kind of got off topic for quite a while there, but, I mean, how, how long would that process take for people to actually get, you know, I mean, as we, a lot of people would think, and, and perhaps when, you know, we sent this out to, uh, to Carrie and to uh, Josh, I mean, they might think, Man, this, this, we don't got time for this, as you mentioned earlier. I mean, what would be the timeline? Uh, well, it's real simple. I mean, I prepared the documents. Carrie Lake, all she has to do is read it. So she, step one, read it, contact Paul Nelly and I, uh, retired judge Paul Nelly. Um, okay, put it in the mail. <laughs> okay. You still might want to do some changes. But step one, read it. Two, contact us. We explain this to her, the power there is, and the right to petition. Third step, just put it in the mail. Uh, not not just to the federal grand jury, Phoenix, Arizona district, but also Maricopa County, Pima County, and Pinal County. All right? And then do the press release. The press release, I mean, it could, it, it could happen, like, literally within a few days, and the press release is out. Boom, done. And again, the power is in the press release. So any candidate can do this in any state. So it's a wonderful opportunity I mean, to show action. So one of the things, uh, you, you know, I want to uh, – since I, I was unable to you know, post it here on the uh, on Blog Talk Radio – uh, how about for the audience, uh, if you can read the petition and then the press release? Well, yeah, I'd have to find a way to get that to you so you can put it on your on your website. Oh no, I've um, got them. I have them both. It's just uh, it, it wouldn't copy. It wouldn't copy well because I, I'd have to try oh, to make it okay. into a uh, yeah. So yeah, you did get them to me. Like, they were in PDF form. Okay. I wouldn't need them to be as a JPEG for. Oh, okay. Well, I can convert them over to JPEG for you. But one of the interesting things about in that particular yeah, one of the I'm in for the audience so that the audience on this episode, when they're listening to the show, they can hear what you're talking about. Because they hear us talking about, you know, a petition. They hear us talking about a press release, but they're, they don't, they're not hearing or seeing what, what it actually is. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it'll be up on um, Watch the Vote USA on their Facebook page. And then uh, it'll take a little more time. Our, our web person, uh, watchvoteusa.com, it'll be there also. So I can send okay. a JPEG. But I wanted to, I wanted to go over Figure One um, of this petition. It's something included in the petition. It's called the Supply Chain for Electronic Components in the Dominion or Dell Volt Counting Machines. When I say Dell, Dell manufactures a physical machine. They send it off to Dominion. Dominion adds their software, and then they send it to the various states. And uh, this is from the declaration under penalty of perjury, declaration by Sean Smith. He is a cybersecurity expert. And this is in the court case of Lake versus Hobbs, the federal case. And uh, reading that, I'm like, wow, um, he's got tables and other things. But the supply chain, where do the electronic components come from? Well, of course, some from Indonesia, but China has 20-plus electronic components 
in the Dell vote counting machine. Uh, three motherboards. And there's other countries, China, South Korea, Malaysia, Philippines, and Brazil. One, two, three, four, five. Five countries that have that uh, contribute electronic components to the Dell machines, the physical machines. Brazil assembles one motherboard. Again, China has three motherboards. Okay? So if that doesn't raise a concern, I mean, if if, if we were getting... Chinese bolts or Chinese screws or Chinese hinges, whatever, who cares? It's from China. But when you have the potential for a backdoor and Sean Smith, I wish we could get him on this show and he could explain the vulnerabilities. Keyword here is vulnerabilities. Do I have proof that they cheated? Um, Well, it depends on different news stories, yes. But as far as nationwide, a big conspiracy, it's, it's a very hard thing to prove because you cannot uh, your average citizens can't get a hold of the ballots and do a recount. Um, but I can prove vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities are pretty substantial here. And Sorry about that. I had to knock out some noise. But the vulnerabilities... Well, um, yeah, Sean Smith goes into how the um, Election Assistance Commission, EAC, that's federal. They call it election assistance, and they have certain recommendations. Well, he he communicated that uh, they are not qualified enough. Number two, they don't have time. Number three, they don't have enough staff to thoroughly be looking at these machines. And he goes over a number of items of this supply chain. That's what he did in the military with hard, uh, supply chain hardware. Um, particularly for missiles. And so when you expose a vulnerability, well, then that's a problem. If somebody had a key to your house, would you consider that a vulnerability? Obviously, yes. Yeah, but would people it, would yeah. say, oh, but how would you say, is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> well, yeah, rhetorical. So if somebody, if 10 people had a key to your house, even just three people had a key to your house, but they never walked in the door yet, in the middle of the night, to do who knows what to you or your family, if there's a vulnerability with your house, would you do something about it? Or would you just justify by saying, well, you know, um, it hasn't happened yet that they, you know, uh, somebody gave a key to, and then after the bars closed at 2 in the morning, they came over, and they haven't done that. I mean, I would dread if, if I'm in bed, wife, kids, whatever, and all of a sudden, they, they come in, crank up the music, make themselves a bunch of food. <laughs> it's like nobody would want that. Nobody would want that vulnerability. Um, but what I'm hearing here, even in Siskiyou County, California, what I'm hearing from the supervisors is, well, there certainly um, are problems in other states. Yeah, we, we, we've done some homework here. And, uh, you know, there might be some vulnerabilities here. But in this county, um, we're just small potatoes. And we don't think we we don't believe they've taken advantage of the vulnerabilities. Okay, Mr. Supervisor, uh, can I have a key to your house? Well, no. Why not? Because I don't want you to make my house vulnerable. Oh, but I won't do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't right. know how. I mean, our our supervisor here in Susquehanna County has come a long way. They've had a lot of people, not just me, an awful lot of people, communicate their concerns and their frustrations. 
Um, but they're not doing anything. And it's, it's frustrating, other than be aware. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I've been before the supervisors, the 2014, 16, 18, 20. It's like every election cycle, I show up, hey guys, me again, yeah, you know who I am. How are you? You know, uh, we have, I even laughed once. I gave him a, a real short piece, you know, during a three minute general comments. Yeah, um, compared to my last 60 plus page document, here's the, Here's some light reading. It's only one page, and I, I hope, you know, they, they kind of laughed that it was light reading, you know. And, and they're trying. But the issue here with our election machines is that they're in place, and then the county election official, Laura Bynum, she'll, well, we just don't have enough people to count by hand. It would be a nightmare to count by hand. Last time we counted by hand, we were in the basement of the courthouse until 4 in the morning. Okay. Well, maybe if you could pay people more, split up the shifts, and so right, exactly. they show up poll workers. I mean, the way it, the old election official, Colleen Setzer, a lot of respect for her. She just didn't know what was going on in these black boxes. But um, she made it so you could split the day. You go find somebody else to split the day. And. But if you don't, you can't find – you've got to show up like at 6 in the morning, polls open at 7. Well, they close I know. At eight, I've done You're it. there until 9. Oh, it's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah, I was a precinct captain one year. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So it's exhausting. You show up at 6 and you leave at uh, 9 o'clock at night, and most of the uh, volunteers are elderly. Well, why don't we split up the shifts? How about a two-hour shift, have some backups? And you get more volunteers. But the way California is going, they made the laws so that you, if you want, and if you don't work your full shift, you don't get paid your, I think it's $180 now for the whole day, which is, I think, less than minimum wage. Anyway, so why don't you have two hour shifts, four hour shifts, and you would have a whole bunch of people volunteering, even without pay, for two hours at the polls? But see, what's happened in California is they set the laws up to exhaust people, and then they can say, oh, gee, you know, we just can't get enough poll workers. We've got to close a bunch of precincts. There used to be 84 precincts in Siskiyou County that you could actually go to, uh, and I, I think we're less than 20 now and around 2025. Oh, we just can't get the poll workers. We can, Well, of course you can't. Well, you know, it's, it's – the, the poll workers are like, I'm so thankful for these old counting machines because if we had to stay a few more hours, I would I would be totally exhausted. And then the other problem is, um, yeah, that's a good point to make, uh, make Kelly. Yeah, right. But and and then and then other people are saying, oh, we're so thankful for vote by mail because we just can't get priest poll workers to keep the precincts open. Do you think this was an accident? Gosh, unbelievable, the trickery at the high levels, and people don't catch it. I, after the last, after the primary, I ran into an acquaintance, went to get a, like some uh, burger or something at the convenience store, because I did poll watching. And, and she shows up, and she says, oh, I am so exhausted. I was there since like 6, 6.30. I am so exhausted. But I did my civic duty. She was all happy. But she was – you could just look at it. She said like three times, oh, I'm exhausted. 
This was by design so you can go vote by mail, the whole state. It's no accident. And as I mentioned before, the states that go vote by mail end up being uh, consistently election after election and uh, Democrats. Oregon used to be highly conservative. You know, you can still, in Oregon, you can still, if you're from Oregon or even most other states, you can go to a gun um, a gun store, show your ID, they check no felony, and they'll sell you a gun over the counter. You pay cash, you walk out with it. That's how conservative Oregon was. It's surprising they haven't changed that law yet, but it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, this is what vote by mail does. No, Jimmy Carter was saying, "Don't do vote by mail. It's not safe." Um, I can I can go on for another ten fifteen minutes, but yeah, I'll try to get candidates. will have to look at uh, watch the vote USA on Facebook and or the website, and we'll have those documents so people yeah, can download. Do so. <laughs> well, I know people are shying away from Facebook these days, but but at least you know candidates who want to do this. Download the petition, read it, contact Paul Nelly and I, number two, and number three, mail it, boom, do your press release. I already have a press release written. So um, I made this easy for Carrie Lake simply because, you know, again, read it, talk to us, send it in the mail, press release, done. I, I made it easy. Um, when she was on the show, I introduced this briefly, and she's, well, I'll have to talk to my attorneys about this. Attorneys don't talk about this much in law school. So um, some attorneys that are that I've known that have studied the grand jury, they are extremely passionate about it and very knowledgeable. But the general law school doesn't teach much about this. I mean, what about the First Amendment right petition? How much? It, it, it's frustrating. Who got in charge in key positions in our education, in our County and state and federal governments who who got and how and why and they knew what they were doing to steer direction even if it's even if a ship is uh one degree off in say a thousand mile journey they can uh, if you got a big oil tanker you could be uh, spending tens of thousands of dollars in wasted fuel just one degree right. off course um so you know. But yet the most conservatives are – they care about their family. They care about their jobs. They care about their neighbors. They they don't have time to be looking at uh, big-picture things other than voting. But it, it's frustrating. Um, Herschel Walker is a race I'm, I'm interested in in uh, uh, Georgia, Senate race. And it's, mm-hmm. they're saying it's a close race again. But he – I saw him play college football. Um, oh, wow. I believe he, yeah, this is way back in the '80s, and he was, uh, he was a running back. For I remember the Oklahoma Sooners in pro, but right, or was he a quarterback? But he was. My brother was a big, big fan of his. Um, my brother was in football way more than I was, and uh, yeah, it would be cool if he becomes a senator. And I was like, hey. I remember in college when I went to a game and my brother was pointing out how awesome he is and everything else, and he's going to go pro, and sure enough, he went. He's the kind of man. And I heard his story once on uh, – I heard his story on some radio show. And he was he, – he was approached by someone 
to run for office. And he's like, well, you know, the politics is just so corrupt. Exactly. That's why you need to run to straighten it out. Well, you know, I have my family to worry about. Exactly. That's why you should run is to well, protect well, yeah, your you family. And you're, now, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. That's why you should run for the sake of your family and others to protect um, what you have enjoyed as an American. And he, he's telling his story. And it was easy for me to remember the name, obviously. Her, her Walker. Okay, so and, and I'm like, wow, that was a really cool message. And he's a sharp guy. Um, I, I hope he wins in Florida. Um, we'll see. And by the way, just I don't understand why, but most of the time, uh, people that play professional sports when they come out politically, most of the time they're conservatives. You got the Hollywood actors. They always come out as liberal, but typically, yeah, um, yeah typically, uh, sports people come out and their political opinions as conservative, and it's just a fascinating. You know, Michael Medvin was asking that one day on his show, and uh, but yeah, it's just it's, I I'd love to see Ursula Walker. Well, I'd be say, for I, him. I, I, I think. I think that that might be more the case because <laughs> to think about it, I think um, sports people live in the real world more so than actors and actresses do. Um, I mean, literally. I mean, actors and actresses. I mean, they live, live, work, and breathe literally, and make their money in fantasy world. In you know what I mean, and made and make believe basically. Um, whereas you have your sports people. I mean, they're in. I mean. They're in the real world. I mean, they get to work hard. I'm not saying that actors and actresses don't work hard. They do. Um, but, you know, the, in sports, you know, I just think they, you know, they're more attached to the you know, the, the real world, so to speak, than what, uh, you know, actors and actresses are. So do you mean, like, sports people have more rules and they can get called by the referee, et cetera, things like that, that causes uh, no, that's a good cause way. and effect? That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Versus a movie, yeah, that's true. you create they, they the world that you want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they have to follow the rules. While in acting, you just follow the rules with that that you create according to the world that you create. You know, creating in the movie or whatever. That's a good analogy. There, yeah. Alex. No, wait. That's my analogy. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um. Yeah. So, what time is it? Oh. Um. Yeah, I, I I gotta get going. Like, um, yeah, well, I understand. Uh, we we just wanted to make sure we got this information out tonight on this episode about you know the possibility of uh, you know the petition and the press release. Uh, definitely go to the website that you know you you talked about Kelly to find them in full and hopefully some other candidates. Uh, I did reach out to to Josh to see if he he received them. I haven't heard anything back, but you know we'll we'll, we'll go from there. But no, Kelly, uh, appreciate it. Uh, we'll see uh, you next week if, you know, on the air. And, of course, off air, we will uh, we'll be talking about other things as well. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, I appreciate this opportunity to, uh, you know, candidates can petition for redress of grievance. It's in the First Amendment, still in the First Amendment. The First Amendment is still there. It had a purpose in the design, which included petitioning. 
uh, a grand jury for redress of grievance. And uh, the key time to do it is before an election, before. Because if you do it afterwards and you lose, you're just going to say, ah, you're sorry, loser, blah, blah, blah. Um, so anyway, it's a tool. Yeah, exactly. That's why, you know, one of the things that I was hoping that if Natalie came on, uh, that one of the things I would have, would have asked him is why does he think that all these judges, all these judges, including the Supreme Court, frankly, just seems to always go against Trump. Not always, but for the vast majority of time, go up against uh, go up against Trump. You know, like like I just seen a recent report, you know, about well, one, you know, about that lady who's accusing him of race. Which again, I think they're just trying to do the same thing to Trump as they did to Kavanaugh. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're just trying to everything. It's, it's just unbelievable. You know what? Uh, you know what? What the left trying to do to that guy? Oh well, obviously, if he's over the target, he's going to get anti-aircraft flack. I mean, that's just kind of a yeah. There that's you what's go. That's good way of um, So yeah, you're over the target, you get flack. That's the way it is. So you know, obviously, he did something that uh, the deep state didn't like. A number of things the deep state did not like. So, um. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. a good way All of putting right. it. Well, well, Kelly, again, appreciate it. Um, and we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Um, looking forward to it. All right. Hopefully, we can get Natalie on, and then we'll, uh, you know, see uh, if we can get Josh on for uh, the next episode. Well, that'd be good. That'd be real good. All right. I will keep it posted. Uh, so first, right, uh, we'll uh, end this uh, abbreviated uh, episode uh, tonight. Uh, of course, it's a song by Aubrey Ashford. Uh, looking forward to uh, giving you some information uh, next episode. And you take care and good night. Mm-hmm.